welcome one more time to A Hundred Steps to Drag, the podcast where I, Natasha Hundreds, sit down with your favorite drag artists and ask them all the questions. I hope your day is going good. I hope whether you are working or maybe working on some drag projects or taking a break or doing whatever you're doing, it's going good because our day is certainly going fabulous. I am thrilled to have this guest on my podcast. I met him a couple of weeks ago, actually, at Redline, and I'm like, uh, please do this with me. I need your energy here. He is such a funny guy. He is very handsome, too. And a dragging entertainer of the year 2011, please welcome Spacey Cadet! Hello! Thanks for getting my pronouns right, even though here I am with my girl voice. Uh, of course. <laughs> he, him, you got it. Yes. That is important. Yes. I mean, come on. It is. Thank you. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing so much better now that you're here with me on this lovely call. <laughs> Likewise. I'm so honored and excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for setting time aside to do this with me. Like, truly, truly, thank you. Likewise. I love the pod. I'm thank super you. excited. Do you have another job uh, besides track? I do. I, a little of this, a little of that. I work part-time in a youth home. So we work for, with special needs and high needs youth. And then also I do background acting and other miscellaneous entertainment gigs. And then I do drag and I do stand-up comedy. And it's taken me a really long time to get to this point. I'm not a rich person. <laughs> Neither of us are. <laughs> but my heart and my life are so full. That's all that matters. It's and I feel amazing. like that reflects because when I met you, I, again, I just felt this amazing energy that I'm like, oh my God, like I can tell this person is like living their best life. I am. I really am. I am so grateful. <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it. Manifesting more of that, please. Yes. The yes. rest of the year. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, today's episode is one that I've been wanting to do. It's about drag and comedy. Yes. And when I was doing the research about you, which means pretty much stalking you all over the internet, I was like, I think he is the right guy to do this with. How did you th discover comedy? Did drag come first or did comedy came first? The drag definitely came first. And when I started, I thought I was going to be this like serious, angsty king like one of my first numbers ever was Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. I loved doing MCR. I loved doing Fall Out Boy and like emo. But then I realized that drag is really campy and poppy and fun. And when I started thinking of it in that comical sense, like I was always a drag comedian first. And then I started doing stand-up comedy a few years ago. And now I do both. That is great. Yeah, I'll do like stand-up in and out of drag. That is funny. Do you feel like the crowd is more receptive when you are in drag or out of drag? I think I'm more comfortable when I do stand-up in drag. And so the crowd is more receptive. Nice, nice. And I'm amazed at how receptive they are to a drag king. Have you done it in like a straight centric venues? Like the What's it called? The Laugh Center? What is that? Called? Oh, the Laugh Factory. <laughs> yeah. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. 
<laughs> yet, yet, yet is a key part of that. That's right. But I have. I've performed in mainstream venues as Spacey Cadet. And so far, the people have been receptive. But I have the people who booked me, my promoters, to thank for that as well. Because they're the ones putting together the night. They made the magic happen. They made the energy happen. So you mentioned a little bit that you were like a little bit of a Y2K emo kind of a yes. king at first. But how did you start doing drag? How did you be like, hmm, maybe I want to try this? Mm, oh, yes. Yeah. So many, many years ago. <laughs> Back in the year 2007, I was in college. And if you do the math, let's just say I was in college when I was like nine years old. Yes, because we are currently 14, actually. I don't know yeah, how that Because I was really smart and I was in college when I was nine. <laughs> and they did a university drag show. And I had seen it the year before. And I, actually, I had seen a comedy king perform there. And, but I still thought I was going to be like serious and angsty or like, actually, I did a B-side Panic at the Disco song for my, and I sang live for my first performance. And it was, I don't know how it was. There's no recording of it. I would say it was okay. <laughs> Listen, nobody jumps out of the drag the womb being fantastic. You know, we all kind of suck our first performance. <laughs> and I've heard you talk about that on this podcast, which is really reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm like, no, we all kind of suck at first and yes there's there's people that wins drag competitions the first time they do drag and i love that and there's people like us you know that are, you know kind of struggle a little bit to get there which is fine it took a little time it took a little time i had this really harsh hairline and i had no contour and i had eyebrows that looked like caterpillars because i was like what does a man look like and that was my impression of a man was like just harsher features <laughs> I, I had these judges in one of my first pageants tell me that my eyebrows came out on stage 10 feet before I did. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't cute. They're like, that's a read, but that's also like helpful. <laughs> Very good advice. Yes. Sage advice for a baby king. <laughs> I love that, you know, when judges or other, you know, people do that. Well, not other people in general, but people that you ask advice too but they sprinkle a little bit of shade within that i'm like oh i feel like that makes it extra special <laughs> like girl those eyebrows those eyebrows come on stage <laughs> 10 feet oh my god that is funny no but you know what's also funny like i also had a guest uh well my guest last week is jessica lahore and she also did drag on a university show and so did i and so did you i'm like okay universities you know popping oh my drag gosh. cherries left and right <laughs> Yes. <laughs> They're super helpful, though. They are. They are. I just got back from New Mexico State University where I got to host their drag show. I actually got to host. I've had the privilege of hosting three times now, and they are amazing every time. We had 14 performers total. We had some professional performers. We had student performers. And then we had student performers who had like evolved into professional drags because of that show. Like they started at the show and then they started hitting the nightclubs. Work. Are you from New Mexico? I am not. I'm from Detroit originally. I did my first shows at a nightclub on 8 Mile Road. I kid you not. In Detroit. With like 8 Mile, like Eminem 8 Mile? Eminem eight mile we did not get the foot traffic there that one desires let me tell you You're like, Damn it. <laughs> it was called the rainbow room it was 
formerly the railroad, and then after that, the the proprietor wanted to turn the club into something more young and hip. So they decided to change the name from the Rainbow Room to the Bird Cage because nothing says young and hip quite like a 1996 feature film starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. R.I.P. Robin Williams, <laughs> but I uh, oh one of my favorites. So, such a, again, such a funny guy, but yeah, right, you know. Uh, they could have done a different way. <laughs> Young and hip. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Could have. The club is closed now, unfortunately, and it was so sad. It was like losing a family member. Like those clubs. That club gave me family when my own blood relatives wouldn't accept me, and that's I think part of the beauty of drag. It's this big chosen family. It is. Yeah, and uh, it's so sad. There's one bar here in Long Beach that it was called Paradise, and it was. Not like a drag bar, but it was like queer, like mostly a restaurant, and it was so fun. It was so fun to just go and hang out. I've been there. Really? The Paradise. Yes. It's, it's already closed. I believe they, they, so. I mean, the owner sold it a couple of years ago, and now it's called Black, and it's like a straight bar, dive bar. Oh. But back in the day, it was so fun to just like hang out there. I was there a few years ago. So fun. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 99 sure that was where I'm I was. pretty sure it's on yeah. the neighborhood. It's like right there on Broadway mm-hmm. Avenue. Mm-hmm. So fun. Oh, oh. yeah. It's oh. unfortunate. Yeah, it's rough. Most of the clubs that I started doing drag in in Detroit are closed now. Damn it. But okay, you were in Detroit. How did we get to from Detroit to LA? We are here right now. Oh, it was the dream, darling. We're just chasing the dream. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Hollywood. <laughs> Really? And and that's where I live. I actually do live in Hollywood. So you are really, truly living the dream. I am. You know, I love Hollywood because it smells like weed and broken dreams, actually. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like, it's so real and gritty. Just like but a drag show. It. It's just like a, the, the back room of a drag show. Oh <laughs> weed and broken dreams. <laughs> like, yep, I can relate to that. That's what it is. I, well, I started doing shows in, in my native Detroit and Michigan. You know, you can kind of tell because I have a Midwestern accent sometimes. I started competing in pageants and I worked my way up from like amateur nightclub pageants to professional level and then like regional and state level pageants. And then in 2011, I competed for National Entertainer of the Year King and my team and I, my team and I, because I worked with amazing, wonderful, talented people. We were lucky enough to get that crown. And so National Entertainer of the Year is based in Louisville, Kentucky. And a couple years after that, in 2013, I was invited to move down to Louisville and do drag full time at a nightclub called Play. In Nashville? In, in There's one in Nashville and there's one in Louisville as oh, well. Okay. So they opened a second location in Louisville and I was their founding Playboy. Oh, that's so cool. It was amazing. And I was there for almost a year and then I moved on to other things. But through my work there that I gained connections with LA. And so in 2016, I made the move and I was actually I competed for Mr. California US of AMI in 2015 and I was fortunate enough to win and so I ended up just moving out here but I I don't know many people who move for a drag title like my plan was actually to move I mean it worked hey it worked it's it you know what it was not easy but it it worked and I stayed. No, I'm so glad you stayed because honestly, I feel like any drag scene it needs more kings. Every mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. any drag scene needs more kings. I agree. I, I just love 
to have a variety on the show to be like a truly variety show of like different drag performers drag things kings and everything in between yes I, it, it just makes it more fun more refreshing you know as part of the audience because i love doing to drag shows too and to me it's just i mean it's all right but it gets a little monotonous when it's always kind of like the same glamorous stones which don't get me wrong it's the drag that i love the most but you know i want to see some something oh, different yeah and we have such diversity in our drag scene. I feel like social media has taken drag to new drag. Oh my goodness, there is my Michigan <laughs> accent coming out. I feel like it's taken the art form to new levels. And we see like new levels of makeup. And I mean, drag race even, it goes levels and levels higher every season, I think. And it's been yeah. really cool to see that evolution because like I said I began doing drag many many years ago in a land far <laughs> far away <laughs> oh my god I can't it, was, I mean, it wasn't how long have you been doing I mean, you said 29 2007, 2007 so I, I actually did my first <laughs> university drag show and then in 09 I started hitting the clubs so it has been a minute. It has been a minute. How was the the drag scene different back when you started as how it is now? What are some of the like the biggest changes that you see that have transformed in, in those couple of years? Oh, what a great question. When I started doing drag, I was well, as I mentioned, I didn't contour. So I had like this really hard hairline and then these massive brows and then like this pasty white face coming out on stage. And I needed to contour because I, I looked really young as well. And I took so much flack from the old school kings for using makeup. And I realized pretty early on that I was a glitter king and a rhinestone king. And I took a lot of flack for that also. And my drag dad, I owe him a debt of gratitude because I'm all about the male illusion. I'm not a gender bendy kind of king. I want to like, I want to put man on stage. That's <laughs> me. That's where I fall on the spectrum. And he, he was like, you're going to be a man, son. You're going to walk <laughs> like a man and move like a man. And he, that's not at all how he sounded. But in my brain, that's how his voice was. And he like met me at the club and he had me put a broomstick over my shoulders and like learn to lead with my shoulders and he gave me hints and tricks like like wear men's shoes a size too big so it makes you walk in a more masculine way and that no was clue. what it was about yeah and my stage name even spacey cadet he was like well that's a cute name for shows but once i started doing pageants he was like you need a man's name and spacey cadet is not manly enough so i was going to be captain cadet but then everybody knew me as Spacey. So I get to the club and they're like, hi, Spacey. And I was like, oh no, I can't not be Spacey. So I was like, okay, I'll be Sergeant Spacey for the pageant. And then nobody knew what my name was for the pageant. They were like, Sergeant Spacey, Captain Venus, Mars, and Jupiter cadet. And Anything very, but Spacey. It was a mess. It was a mess. One of the judges was like, what is your name? This has not been made clear. But I, I would say the biggest thing, I would say the biggest change in the drag scene I've seen is among kings, is is that it was a much more binary, like you are a drag king, you put man on that stage, you don't wear glitter, you don't wear rhinestones, you don't wear makeup, because that's not what a king is. Oh my God, not the machismo and everything, even in the, in the queer community. <laughs> 
Absolutely. <laughs> that is funny, you know, because now the kings that we do see, like, you know, get bedazzled. They have all this makeup, some like some wigs, you know, and that is funny that you, before that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Oh, wigs. Wearing wigs. I was one of the few. I had this long hair and I was one of the few kings who wore wigs and people wouldn't even realize that's what it was because they weren't expecting it. That is crazy. But I love like a play on gender, you know, that it doesn't have to be like, oh, like all male anymore. It has like this it's kind of queer aspect to it that is also very very fun yeah yeah it's amazing to see that evolution and i think we've seen an evolution in the queens a thousand percent like even when i started i started doing drag in like 2018 and back then it was again all about the glamour all about passing oh my gosh the amount of times that that i would be like oh i have to like paint soft because i, I need to look like a woman and now i'm like let me look painted honey like me just like contour this like itty bitty nose and like this huge eye i feel like that <laughs> has also changed a lot yes and I feel like social media and drag race have had a lot to do with that. Because before, it was the pageantry systems that really... I don't know what California drag looked like. I don't know how prevalent pageants were here. But I know that in the Midwest and the South, which is where I've done the majority of my performing over years, like your way to exposure was by doing pageants. And that was the goal. I think that was pretty similar. Again, I don't I know exactly. I'll have to have some some guest, some queen guest from California that was like, hey, did you do pageants or how was it? <laughs> I found when I moved here in 2016, I found that the pageantry systems did not seem to be as popular here. But I understand because it costs a lot of money and California is far from where these pageants happen in like Texas and Chicago and Louisville. Yeah, it's no, hard. it is. It is very hard. Maybe if some of them happened closer, maybe that'd be a different story, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? And like Oklahoma City and Dayton, Ohio, I should make a note, is where US of AMI has historically happened. I don't want to, I can't overlook the king pageants. I'm like, oh, we Chicago. Never mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> I digress. The, no, that is fine. What does the MI stand it for? It does not stand for Michigan. It stands for male impersonator or male illusionist. Ah, <laughs> okay. I had that doubt and I'm like, ooh, okay. And I'm sure people listening had that doubt too. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking. No, yeah. I was like, oh, US of AMI. Okay, got it. Nice. So going back to the entertainer of the year, I'm curious about that because I'm not very well versed in, in pageantry. So how does that work? Do you have to like compete in several categories or what do you have to put together to have a chance of snatching the title? Ah, <laughs> National Entertainer of the Year. It's four categories. You have onstage presentation, onstage question and answer, evening wear, formal wear, and talent. And so some pageants will do an interview, which is offstage. And we do not get interviewed in in the entertainer of the year system. It's all on stage and it's a creativity centered pageant. And so they do creative evening wear. There have, if you if you do a little digging on the internet, you can find some really fabulous stuff that the entertainers have come up with over the years. I love that it's creative evening wear because from what I've heard of, like you know Miss US of A, it's very much like what a traditional beauty pageant would look like, like a gown and beautiful hair. But I like that creative element. What are some of the things that that you've seen entertainers put together for for this category? I'm curious. Oh, Nina West had. A human. Oh, the human dress. Yeah, that it was like made out of people that was just like standing there and then it started moving. Oh, yes. 
Nina West, 2008. Oh, my goodness. Or like Deranged had one that was made all of like it appeared to be all of newspaper print. There was a contestant, I believe, who did all pennies. Jesus. <laughs> Some crazy stuff. Yeah. My evening wear was a cinema reel, a tuxedo with a cinema reel wrapped around it, which I think I resurrected the night I met you because we were doing yes. a fake smart pageant. <laughs> it was only appropriate that you brought it back. <laughs> yeah. All the cinema reel was made out of all tiny little Swarovski crystal rhinestone. That suit is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's the trick to the pageant is you want to be creative, but also still like pageant. Yeah. Still like, wow. Wow. Some pretty, yeah, some pretty. I love it. How did you feel when you, when you earned that title? When you and your team earned that title? Oh my gosh. I, you know what? When you win the title, that's when the work begins. And I don't think I realized that until I got into it. It was just this sense of euphoria and accomplishment, which is good because when you do something like that, you should enjoy it for a minute. But when you represent a title, that year is work. And you better be prepared to do that work because you're promoting for the whole year and you're traveling and you're showing up at preliminary pageants and you're recruiting contestants for your hand down for the next year. That is a really good point because I mean I just hear you know I feel like nowadays especially with drag race we hear like the term pageant pageant tourist around very often but I'm like what does like really entail so I had no clue that you had to like go to prelims and recruit people and represent I thought you would just have like your title and you could put like your crown in your living room and that's it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That would be so great. <laughs> and the amount of t of time and money it takes just to compete in the pageant yeah. is insane. Like I had seven backup dancers and we took two vehicles, two or three, I think. We trucked it down from Detroit to Louisville and stayed in two hotel rooms. And like we were dancing in the parking lot at 2 a.m. the night before talent competition, <laughs> like in Louisville heat. In July, it was crazy. God bless your team and everyone's <laughs> God you know, bless my team, team that is like supporting the them. artistry behind pageants. So, so I was gonna say for anybody that is looking to or interested in competing in in a pageant, what would you advise them to prepare for? What are some words of encouragement for them? Oh, focus on your own stuff. Don't worry about who else is going to be competing. This person has this in their package. This person has that in their package. So-and-so's coming from this land far away and they're going to win. Like, don't worry about it. Keep your eyes on your own plate and do your best and put something on the stage that you're proud of. And, and that That will show because I've judged a lot of pageants too. And you can tell it shows on stage when you're too busy thinking about the next contestant, when you're doing a talent that you're not comfortable with, like do you show up and do you. And you'll feel better after the pad. You'll you should feel good, like leave with something you feel good about and you might leave with a crown as well. Oh, such wise words. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it really does apply to not only pageants, but I feel like drag in general, right? Show up and be you. Sometimes we see, or I see, I, again, I go to a lot of drag shows and I see like entertainers trying to be, how can I say this? Like what they think the audience wants to see. Yes, and it's so yeah. much more meaningful when I see somebody just go ahead and be themselves on stage. Oh, it's so much more enjoyable and so much more memorable. Yes. Yes. And it's also important to note the difference between like 
what you just said about trying to give the audience what you think the audience wants and not being authentic versus also pushing your boundaries and trying new things. Because that's important too, but there's a balance. Like you have to authentically push your boundaries and authentically try new things. And that shows too. And that will show as well. Try new things, but stay authentic to who you are. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or the, the entertainer of the year tagline, stay creative. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, w- I mean, it was. I'll be honest. Um, unfortunately, the king pageant is no longer. No. They crowned their last king in 2018. It had trouble. Like, it always had trouble gaining momentum over the years. There were different reasons for that. But I've heard through the grapevine, they might, I'm not an expert anymore. I was very involved with the pageant in the past. I am admittedly not an expert on where the pageant is right now. I've heard through the grapevine that they may bring the king back. I do not know. Hopefully. I, do not I know. would love yes. to see that. Um, I was the first king. And I think it's important to note as well that that was a challenge. Being the first king, because the system had been around for over 20 years by the time I got to it. And I sat in that promoters meeting the week of competition, right after I had been fortunate enough to win. And they like, you could feel around the room. They were like, ah, there's there's a king in the room. What do we do with it? (laughs) No. I have to thank Aurora Sexton, who was the reigning queen that year, and Michael J. Valentine, who was the male entertainer who won, because they pushed for me. They pushed for the promoters to have me at their pageants because they there was a lot of trepidation about having a king. And I think that's another thing that we don't see as much anymore. I think there's a lot less hesitancy around booking kings now. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Oh my gosh, I love to hear that. Shout out to Aurora. I haven't had the pleasure to meet Michael, but Aurora is fabulous. Oh, so stunning too. Oh yes. They're, oh my, oh. Two of the finest entertainers I've ever known. Honestly, total honor to reign with them. I need to total Google Michael honor. now. <laughs> oh, you will not be disappointed. Let me tell you. You're like, honey. <laughs> Michael J. Valentine, M-Y-K-U-L. <laughs> He's amazing. Oh, my God. I, I met his, I don't know if they're related, but I met Sander Valentine. I don't know if they are related. You know what? I'm actually not sure. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are. You never know with these drag families. Exactly. You know, we drag artists keep reproducing like bunnies. <laughs> We do. We do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, going back to comedy and to jokes, you have really funny jokes. I love thank you. You're so kind. I'm I'm being honest. (laughs) I love the dad joke series that uh, that you have on your Instagram. Thank you. I have more that need to be posted. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Please keep them coming. (laughs) What do you think is the key to write an effective joke? Well, first, I must say that I have to credit the internet for a lot of my dad jokes. They are not all authentic. No. I don't know. Am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to go to jail I'm now? Report you. I'm so sorry. I have to do this. I'm contractually obligated. It's over. I think the key to a good joke is it's something relatable, something everybody knows about. You don't want it to be too niche. And something that people have experienced and also the element of surprise is like joke writing 101. You want something that catches you off guard, but also, like I said, that is relatable. That's something people have interacted with or experienced before or witnessed. And I've found that to be true also, not just in telling jokes, but in performing 
comedy in drag. You, you like using relatable songs or doing silly things that the audience. Like I do moves like Jagger, and I come out really serious. But then as soon as it goes to the chorus, I do these crazy dance moves like Jagger, which is not that's not how Mick Jagger moves, but. <laughs> But it's the element of surprise. It's the element of surprise. And then when Christina Aguilera's part comes on, I come out in this horrible blonde wig and do the Christina part. And I have been performing that number for like a decade and it has always garnered the same reaction. Like people are always receptive to it. Because it has that element of surprise and because anybody knows moves like Jagger. Right. And and like anybody can relate to goofy dance moves. Like it's so dumb, but it's effective. And I don't get me wrong. I could I won't go on about all the horrible performances that I've had over the years too. It's a mixed bag, but that one is a win. <laughs> it's a win. A win is a win. <laughs> no, I mean we've all had horrible performances. Trust me. Oh, oh my goodness. I'd rather I not think I, about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When your friends send you the videos of the gig and you're like, "Oh, man, I appreciate you tagging me on this, it's but so I'm not going to reshare it." <laughs> Those are, that's a really good formula. I like it. Something relatable, some, an element of surprise, and not being too niche. Yeah. And also, I personally don't like comedy that makes people uncomfortable. Some comedians push those boundaries, and that's where they really excel. I am not one of those people. I feel like you have to be really funny and also not also funny but also like know when it's right to push that boundary if that makes any sense there are some things that you just don't joke about you know and sometimes comedians like push that line way way over their head i'm too afraid to do something like that because i don't i want i want everybody in the room to be laughing I want all of us to be together in like this communion of like laughter and fun. I don't want anybody to be left out. I don't want anybody to be made uncomfortable. And so I try to do like broad G-rated, PG-rated kind of humor. I like that. You know, a communion of laughter. <laughs> it's so magical. But you know, like you do drag, you know, like that moment with the audience when you connect, when everybody gets it. And it's, I just love the creative process. Like I'm in the drag lair and I'm putting together the number and you're like getting the costume and you're mixing the music and you're like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And it doesn't always work the way you want it to. But when it does and you have that moment and the audience feels it with you, it is magic. It truly is. Oh my God. You just said it so well because there's not a better feeling that working so hard for a number, putting a new costume together, you know, planning it out, everything and being well received. You're like, oh my God, I did something here. It's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most beautiful. It cracks me up though, too, because sometimes I'll put all this work into a number and I'm so excited about it. And then it's okay. <laughs> or sometimes the audience is really receptive to something that you didn't expect them to enjoy that much. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, back to the drawing board. I guess I have to incorporate this. <laughs> guess I'll do that number again. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think it was Bilella Fierce. Such a lovely angel. I love her. And she was like, let your numbers marinate for a little bit until they're fully cooked and ready to be presented. And I'm like, that's true. You wouldn't, you know, put some chicken that is not ready on the table, right? She's right. She's, She's right. right. And I, do, I still like put numbers out on the stage. I don't love it. But I put numbers out on the stage that haven't had a chance to really cook. 
and I, it's not my favorite. But sometimes there are theme shows or they're like, I'm doing an all Luigi show at the Alamo Draft House on Friday. That sounds really fun. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I love it. Thank you, Dragsville, for putting on this show. As of the recording of this podcast, I don't know what I'm doing for this show, and I will not have a chance to let it marinate. So if you want to see how that turned out, go to Spacey's Instagram, and you may or may not find out. If you don't see pictures, it didn't go well. <laughs> That's an indicator. Do you feel that, though? Like, if once you've been performing a number for a while that the audience is more receptive or just like you just get more comfortable and more confident with it and it just goes better. Oh, a thousand percent. Or you found like little things to do that are like, ooh, how come I didn't think about this before? Yes. Oh, I love punching up a number. Yeah, or like, you know, doing something different with the mix. Yeah. Or like sometimes, yes, I'll have a mix and then a new song will come out that goes well with that mix. And I'm like, ooh. I'm totally adding this in. Yes. Oh, my gosh. One of my big sisters, Joe Lopez, she has this mix where she comes out as Annie, uh, Little Orphan Annie, and like this huge red wig and like, oh, it's so fun. And she's been doing that number for a couple of years now. But honestly, every time I see it, it gets better. Like every time I see it is different. Every time I see it, she adjusts something. I'm like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> I love it. She's she's fun. She's fun. I, I had her in the first episode of the podcast, but honestly, that was that sounds so bad. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> I recorded it with a rock or something. I'm like, oh gosh, what was I thinking? Oh my gosh, Spacey. We've talked a lot about yourself, about your journey, about your comedy, but I also want to learn. Oh <laughs> like, oh boy, oh boy. I have. I've done a lot of talking. No, we have. And I, I, I've enjoyed you yeah. so far. I'm sure that the audience I've enjoyed you too. <laughs> ah, thank you. Ah, shucks. Oh, gosh. I was just telling you uh, before we started recording, like, I'm just using this as an excuse to engage with more artists, you know? And if anything comes out of it, great. But honestly, I've been enjoying connecting with all of you. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite part. It shows. I do. I love the pod. It's great. Again, thank you so much for having me. I don't, I'm acting like it's over. I don't think it's over yet. No. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, but I appreciate you. Thank you. I wanted Absolutely. to ask you, what are your goals for drag? I wanted to hear what's next. You won titles. You are living in LA, in Hollywood. What is next for Spacey? Let's say in the short term, maybe in the next couple of months. And what would be like your long-term goal, like your pinnacle oh, of drag? Okay, so. I already know the answer to this question, but it's like something that's so like near and dear to me, you know, like revealing your, your, your goals can be such a vulnerable thing. Yes. I've been, I have been really, really fortunate to have been able to do a lot with drag and I want to continue to perform on local stages. I want to be, honestly, I'm not performing as often as I used to. And I want to be doing that more short term. And I'm so excited about like I had to tear down all of my drag and condense it when I moved to LA seven years ago. And I'm still not back up at the level that I want to be. And I just want to create new numbers and, and keep putting on the stage things that I love. And I want to continue to meet new performers and like all the brand new kings that are on the scene. I want to forge those relationships and really become a part of this community because I feel like I'm still trying to find my place in, in this city. Long term, the big goal, honestly, I want to host late night. That would be sickening. The first king to host late night. <laughs> Thank you. I don't see any reason why I can't. 
I drag is what I live, eat, and breathe. It is the reason why I moved to LA. I have been watching these girls come up through Drag Race for so many years. We see the amazing things they do. Um, but it's not just what the show does for them. It's what they do. You can't just be on a show and then like coast for the rest of your career. You have to keep reinventing yourself. You have to stay relevant. And pop culture can't ignore kings forever. We have largely been ignored. There are exceptions, but but overall, we you know, Murray Hill, Landon Sider, add them all across the pond. Spikey Van Dyke is doing big things. He's in Florida. Axel Andrews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Tenderoni. Oh, I love Tenderoni. Oh my gosh. There's there are so many, like, but but again, like we can name a lot of them in this podcast. But if we were to sit down and name all of the drag queens who are enjoying these big gigantic careers, we would be here days until it's time for you to record your next episode <laughs> and and to any of the performers that we haven't mentioned you know it gets dicey when you start mentioning people by name I, I feel like it is absolutely possible to bust into pop culture and and you know start recording albums and because i sing as well you know and getting on television and getting on big screens and maybe it doesn't sound noble that I'm like, I want to host late night, you know, because people have these ambitions of like giving back to the community and grassroots effort and, and all this stuff. But imagine all the things that could be done with a platform like that. I feel like that's a way to really help the community. Imagine all the kings that you can inspire by being in a platform like that. And all the kids that are maybe like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know I could express myself like that. So I think even though you think it's like not noble, I think it, it truly is because you are trying to uplift and give visibility oh, to your community. If I had the money. <laughs> You know, like I would, I would sponsor sponsor pageants. The sky is the limit with pageantry. So is your budget. So is your budget. <laughs> Very important. And I, you know, yeah, like kings especially. I feel like we need more money flowing to us so that we can really make our creative dreams come true. You know, found a nonprofit, do something with that, with that, so that so that I could give back to the community better. I love your goals. Thank you so much for being vulnerable for opening up. <laughs> this little manifestation moment, you know, of like putting it out in the universe. I believe in that. And I feel like if for me to work, so that's why I, I like to ask my guests these kinds of things so they can put it out there and it's going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Now we are jumping in a little section that I am piloting. You probably haven't heard it yet, but it's called the drag tip of the week. <laughs> And I pretty much ask my guests one piece of advice that you would give for new drag entertainers. It could be anything like, oh, buy this kind of concealer, or it could be something like, oh, don't stress about this. So whatever you feel like could be a good advice for baby kinks, what would that be? This one goes for anyone, I think. Honestly, who has any goal? But something that I learned through drag is that especially when you're starting out, everyone is going to have their two cents for you. And it's your job 
to determine whose advice is worth nothing and whose advice is worth a million bucks. Yep. And it's hard to do because you're right. Everyone's going to have something to say. You, you got to do this. You got to do that. No, no, no. Blah, 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 blah. This, that, and the other. And when you're new, you get pulled in every different direction and then you get pulled away from your authentic self. Yeah. When you're new, you're like, oh, I guess I have to do that. Well, I guess now I have to do that. But no, like, what do you want to do? Go with that. Go with your gut. Right. And that's why for one pageant, my name was Sergeant Spacey Captain Venus, Mars, and Jupiter Cadet. And it's hard because I feel like, for example, I'm a people pleaser. So I'm like, if somebody tells me like, oh, you should do these kinds of things, I'd be like, okay, I will do my best to like try to do that. It is hard to like kind of like ignore all the different voices of people trying to get up in your business, but it's necessary. It is. And then to be able to pick out that advice, whose two cents is worth a million bucks? Because I've learned some really good things from some really inspiring entertainers over the years too. Yes, find that person. For me is my partner, my husband. He's a little harsh. Well, I was going to ask, yes. <laughs> He's a little harsh, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes he can be a little tough, but I know that he does it out of love. And I does, he does it because he cares and he has like such high standards for Natasha that I'm like, okay, I have to to also remind myself to not take it personal <laughs> but yeah that's a, the one person like one of many of, of a handful that I that I listen to yeah and Natasha's so great thank you thank you she tries you were so like oh it was such a thrill to meet you and work with you and just your overall aura as a performer is just so great. Thank you. I enjoy doing this so I'm glad it shows <laughs> it shows oh it shows <laughs> <laughs> for you who's that person that you're like always listen to or maybe like a couple I know it's like splitting hairs oh my gosh this well I used to be married people ask me if I'm married I say not anymore but I do have to credit my wonderful ex-wife who was there with me for my early years of drag and she had like the best idea she came up with moves like Jagger and she always she had like the best ideas and she was always supportive and she was wonderful and we did split amicably now we're getting real deep <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's important to recognize the role that she had in my drag career yeah. i don't know i can't really think of anyone off the top of my head right now in my life who has consistently led me in the right direction. There are a lot of good voices, but I don't know that there's like one specifically. No, I feel that because I mean, at least in my experience in like the downtown LA community, everyone's like super genuine and like willing to like help you out. So it's kind of hard to like think of like one single person because again, everyone's just like, oh, I, I love it here. <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm still trying to find my place in, in the community. I can't say definitively like one person at this moment. I feel you. I feel you because it it is hard. I also moved here to Long Beach maybe in like 2016. And like it's it's such a big like cluster of cities that I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to remind myself of like going out more or like, you know, just going to support and everything to like keep on finding that community. But it is hard. It takes a lot of energy, especially when we have like all these gigs and we're trying to survive. Gosh, mm -hmm. but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Don't worry. That's the spirit. Yes, of course. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh! Unfortunately, our time is almost coming to an end. Aww. But Stacy, please, please tell everyone where they can find you on social media, any shows, anything that you want to plug out there to the internet of things. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. um, you can find me on any social media platform. Mostly, I'm on Instagram right now. Instagram is a good place to start. But all of my handles, if I'm on any social media platform, it's at Spacey Cadet. That's Spacey, like outer space. S P A C E E Cadet K A D E T T. It seemed like a good idea when I named myself to spell the name that way. <laughs> You're like, I want to be different. <laughs> the good news is that if you know how to spell my name, I'm the first thing that comes up. When I was searching you, like literally like put out Space Cadet and you were the one and only Space Cadet out there. And that's how we found like about the entertainer of the year and all that. I'm like, okay, branding. <laughs> Yay. Good. It's good for something then. <laughs> It is. Oh my gosh. And you definitely don't want to miss Spacey on social media. Like I said, his jokes are very funny. They're going to lighten up <laughs> your day when you see them pop up on your feed. Spacey, again, thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. No, thank you again. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait to see you again in person to hang Likewise. out in, in the flesh. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> and for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining joining us this week if you enjoy the podcast please rate it five stars on spotify apple music amazon music wherever you're listening to um you can follow me on social media at the one natasha don't ask me how to spell that <laughs> but thank you so much we'll see you next week thank you for listening to a hundred steps to drag if you like my podcast don't be shy share it with your friends leave me a review if you didn't like it you're probably homophobic this episode was edited by Chao Panda Productions. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.